Welcome to the Workbrand Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and theworkbrand.com. Hi there, and welcome to This is the Cast. Our Mandalorian Season 2 podcast here at theworkprint.com. I'm your host, Christian, and today with me is Bassam Cato. I am Bassam, and I've spoken. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing uh, coverage of every episode of The Mandalorian this season for The Workprint, because everyone loves the show. We all here that love the show, and it's just incredible. And uh, Bassam and I both just watched the... Uh, the first episode of season two, and we're going to talk about it here. Uh, spoilers all around. Um, yeah, so just just be warned. But if you, if you watched it and you're just as hyped as we are, uh, just so you know, like that that was just that was crazy and epic and everything I wanted and more. Like there was so much build and hype for the season, and and they delivered like hands down, excellent performance all around. Uh, let's get started. Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts on this crazy episode? Uh, I mean, so many different thoughts. Mandalorian is just, for right now, for me, I think it's probably one of my favorite shows currently going on for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but specifically this episode, I think they did a really good job of, one, picking up where we left off. So season one was like such a journey. Mm-hmm. And it let, like it was fulfilling in a lot of ways, but also it was like, okay, this is the next step in this like progression of their journey together. And I think that the episode, like the premiere episode of season two, really did a good job of picking up the pace of where things were, continuing it, and also giving us like the, the best balance of everything. Like, Wholeheartedly agree. And yeah. I, I love that they did the little recap at the beginning. Well, no, like it's weird. I don't love shows that do that all the time necessarily. Like sometimes it's, it's it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think uh, for what Mandalorian is, like, they did a perfect job of just hitting all the right beats. I didn't actually have to look at recaps or remember anything from season one. Like, everything was covered in their, like, pre-introduction, and we lead right into the jumping the jumping point of the start-off beat, which is, like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ma- what's his name? Mandalorian um, kind of <laughs> just uh, going on, on this quest with, with Baby, taking <laughs> Baby Yoda around. And it's official, like, he's just bringing with him everywhere, no matter the danger. Um and uh, and kind of discovering, looking for other fellow fellow Mandalorians and stuff, uh, getting a hint at where we're heading to with uh, with the implications that there is a Mandalorian, bum bum bum, on Tatooine. They introduce it in the beginning, and it pays off towards the end. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on on this setup? Because I I loved every second of it. The first eight minutes blew me away. So I think what was really cool about the setup is that it really kind of played off of... So I recently just finished a rewatch of the first season. So I knew that season two was coming out. So I was like, I'm going to rewatch the whole first season. And they do a really good job tying in why he's looking for Mandalorians. So mm-hmm. in episode eight, either it was like the end of, tail end of seven or beginning... I think it was eight. He talks with like the blacksmith Mandalorian... Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you have to return it. You have to return it, referring to Baby Yoda or the child, to the that's it, home world, essentially like reunited with his family." So for him, he's like, "Okay, I have to find other Mandalorians because like they have an idea of what this thing is." So he's like, "I have to go down kind of my my like Rolodex of people." <laughs> if, the Mandal- if the Mandalorian told me to do this, I have to ask other Mandalorians. 
So, like, him searching for other Mandalorians, like, has, like, a good story purpose. It's not just him being like, where's my people? He's just like, they would know this because, like, one had the idea and you all have similar thought processes. So, like, it was really cool that he's like, okay, the next step, I have to find a Mandalorian. So, in the beginning scene, it's like a very, you know what it kind of reminded me of? You remember (laughs) that scene in Dark Knight? Um, I think it's Dark Knight. Where Batman goes to the nightclub to find like the scummy like uh, mafia guy during the like the club scene, mm-hmm, and Batman's mm-hmm. just like beating the shit out of people while it's um like the flashing strobe lights are going. And yeah, he, like so it's like the same thing of like guy anti hero goes into like a den of like whatever is going on and tries to get information, and the guy's just not hanging like hanging with him at all, not giving him anything. Yeah. And it's like it's cool because there's a there's a fight club inside and in the underground fight club. Yeah, and it's those, those, uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's those, uh, Star Wars fans are gonna hate me, but it's like those two pig aliens from uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> what are they? Is it Gamorans? I don't remember. Something like that. And I think uh, it's really cool about like um. So the thing that kind of makes Mandalorian special is because it is Gamorians. Sorry, awesome. not to Good give job. us nerd creds. No, you yes. have to. You have to. Yeah. It was that the fact it takes place what seven years after Return of the Jedi. Yes. So it balances the line really well between like homages to the original series and and you know its own separate story. And this episode is definitely more heavy on homage, but it does it in such a like a very excellent way. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there was ugh, I kind of I, sh- I we should uh, I should have done a little bit of prep work. There there were so many callbacks and references to the original series, especially uh, I think episodes three. And and uh, and one, I believe, uh, some of the some of the droids on Tatooine were very familiar. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. or mean, just a hint. But yeah, yeah, like Tatooine itself is this whole thing because we get back to Tatooine. He has that same um, ah, I forget her name now. She's um, she was like the the mechanic. Yeah, for the first season, oh, I should have, like really checked up her name. But she was back, and her droids also included like they were you know from the prequels, and they were also showed up again in the series. Uh, Peli Mato. Yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah, it's really interesting because Tatooine itself is like just in itself inherently like a callback, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, just the moment you say Tatooine, oh, okay. So, like, this, aesthetically, it's a callbacks. And I think the one thing that I really want to touch upon with this conversation is how the Mandalorian as a series have really taken steps to flushing out the characters of the Tusken Raiders. Yes. I think it's something that, like, Lucas in his mind is just like, oh, these are native people. Ho, 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 ho. You know? Because, like, in... Okay, so in a lot of Western movies, when it comes to portrayals of Native Native Americans, it ranges from, like, the really offensive, like, Italian man wearing red face to, like, you know, sometimes developed characters, this and that. And I think we kind of get like a nice little dichotomy of like how like the original series Tusken Raiders is like, oh, these are just natives who live and they're very primitive. Mm-hmm. But with this series, especially with this episode, they really kind of dig down to like how these Tusken Raiders operate, how they're just not just these one dimensional creatures. They're not just sand people. They're not just sand people. They're, they're people. At- yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're people who live in sand. So. There you go. Yeah, it was just a really, it was really well done, and I think that it benefited from the Mandalorian being like a worldly person, how he was able to look at it from an outside perspective, and mm-hmm. able to be like bring light into how these people need to, 
how the the Tuscan Raiders need to work with these regular humans living in this mining town. Wholeheartedly agree, and I love the use of language in this episode and, and like history and, and the way they talk. Um, yes. it, it 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 was a lot of culture, which is like oh. You know, like, it's it's funny, because in Star Wars, there's so much theology and, and stuff like that with the Force and all that crap, um, but, like, you don't you don't get enough culture moments, you get a lot of, uh, like, when Lucas did the, the prequel trilogies, you get, oh, okay, that looks cool, that looks cool, but, like, you don't see people living as, like, a society. It's not Star Trek, unfortunately, but yeah. I think this episode does a great job of doing that with the Tusken Raiders, as you mentioned, uh, the way they communicate with hand languages, and we saw that coming, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't, and it, but it's actually kind of brilliant, though, right? It's because... Yeah. The Mandalorian would be used to dealing with different races and different um, different languages and having to, and like, that's just the most consistent way of going through, like, talking with anyone is having some kind of hand motion and, like, you know, it makes sense. Especially, like, if you think about Tusken Raiders as a culture, they probably have a lot of, like, if they're planning strategies or ambushes, they probably have a lot of long distance. So instead of, like, them just yelling out their scream they probably have to have some kind of motion or hand motion or signal so very much so yeah, yeah. I think he did mention they lived in yeah. the dude was it the dune sea they called it like for a thousand years so yeah it's just like that yeah. they live in these they live in the sand like they just live in this barren land on tatooine yeah. and i think like the one thing about the series i think i have to really give props to is john favreau really kind of i know he's not the sole writer i know he has like two other writers with him yeah. but like as the creator and like kind of like the showrunner of it He's really taken the task, looking at the Star Wars world, this extremely vast world that's been flushed out by uh, expanded universe writers and like novelizations, and kind of taking these interesting points and like hyper focusing, but also giving you a good grand like grand scheme behind it, a good picture to like lay it on. Absolutely, um, yeah, like that. That is, I, I agree, Favreau's fantastic with that. Uh, to be honest, there, there isn't much that he's done that I dislike at this point. I think he's gone a very, um, not traditional Hollywood trajectory in terms of career, but like a very professional one where it's like he's just gotten better and better at his craft the more the time the time has gone on. Particularly like just uh, evaluating uh, Iron Man 1 to like this, <laughs> which like, I, 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 don't get me wrong, I love the Iron Man 1, but like, or even, um, what was that? Not Slackers, um... Uh, was it the pickup artist or something? He was in this movie where that he wrote a long time ago about pickup arting or something, and he was the pickup artist, which I is very that. bizarre. But the point is, is because uh, he used to be a handsome fellow. Anyway, that was a little bit of a side work, but it's just to say he's gone a long way as a creative since those days. Yeah, I haven't seen, like, before this, the last thing I can remember was, like, Lion King, which I was kind of disappointed with. Oh, but yes, okay, that was disappointing. But freaking Jungle Book was amazing. Jungle like, Book was great. I didn't yeah. see. I didn't see his food truck movie. That uh, was also amazing, and it made me want to okay. freaking own a freaking food truck. <laughs> I feel like it's a terrible business investment. This is having a food it's, truck. It's not. Too, I mean, it's it's a bitch to maintain, but it's not too. In terms of inve- uh, the low cost, it's great. Yeah, that's true. In terms of everything else, though, it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like it's great because it'll it won't cost you much and the profit margins are there. But (laughs) yeah, but you're getting cramped spaces. It smells. It's like it's so much shit. The overhead has to be stored somewhere. Anyway, we're tired to talk about Mandalorian. Yeah. So yeah, this this episode was just okay. So like, I guess for me, I want to give like a quick background of stuff. So the Mandalorian for me is like a perfect show. Okay, so I will say it's like my perfect show. Before people start like a perfect show. (laughs) So for me, I love the 
the character of the Mandalorian, not the specifically uh, Din Djarin, but like the the I guess race or people or creed, however you want to word it. So like ever since I was younger, I've been fascinated by people like Boba Fett and Jango Fett, to the point where I would I actually made up like a Mandalorian character. Mm. His name was Bengo Fett because I was very creative <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, and the idea is that he was. He was cloned off of Boba Fett using the same technology that Jango Fett Boba claimed. Bo- you know, whatever. Terrible fanfic. But the idea is like <laughs> I invested in this like Mandalorian character and I created like like a headquarters for him and like a story and a background. So that I, and the idea of like the Mandalorian aspect was always so appealing as like this bounty hunter and this rogue character. Yeah. And I also love westerns. Like I love the idea of westerns. I love the storytelling, the journey aspects. So the cons. The conception of this TV show Mandalorian is like a perfect union of those two things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It satisfies like so many creative niches for me. It's like such a joy to watch. So, so I'm obsessed obviously with season one. I've watched it multiple times, and this episode of season two I think was so amazing because it's like a very classic like Western trope. It's like yeah. the uh, the outlaw or like the drifter comes into town. There's a problem. He has to kind of solve it, mm-hmm. and I. Th- I, I love that even though the Mandalorian's writing may not be the most like complex or technically crazy, it's like it uses these cool tropes and it really builds off the world around it. So we get the idea of So we like talked earlier about why the Mandalorian is on Tatooine. So like it's a solid enough reason, it's a good it's a good, you know, motivating aspect for the Mandalorian to go to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And when he's there, he meets like this cast of characters, and yeah, between like the introduction of the sheriff character, who is uh, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant's character, Oliphant, who's always a pleasure to see on screen. Not only that, but he plays a great cowboy or western yeah, uh, exactly. marshal. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like I feel like Timothy Oliphant's character is like he was the outlaw who drifted in before, but then loved the town and stayed there for a while. Yes. So then now another outlaw's coming in. He's like, fuck, okay. He's like, yo. <laughs> also, I just love marshals and westerns. And then to make it a space western marshal just made me smile. And I uh, the, the Boba Fett armor threw me off, though. And it, this yes. is a great red herring. Because when you see it, you're like, oh, my God, it's Boba Fett. And they're like, wait, why does he look different, though? Because he's got the chest armor and the helmet. Everything else looks different. And then immediately when he takes off the mask, you can tell, okay, it, either, either this isn't Boba Fett or Boba Fett looks... A lot more like Timothy Oliphant than we expected. <laughs> um, I, yeah, when I saw the armor, I was like, oh my god. But then I was like, wait a minute. It fit, fits so weird on him. Yeah. It, it didn't yeah. fit well. And I was like, that's so strange. And when when he was so willing to take off the helmet, I was like, that can't be Boba Fett. And so when yeah. I saw Smeal I was like, okay, it's not Boba Fett. Yeah. But I, like, I'll like, i give props. Timothy, he did a great job playing the marshal, the guy who wants to help the town. I, he did a very great job of playing that figure and justified for multiple seasons and, and such. So he, he knows this role. They kind of just worked with his strengths and threw him, threw him in this, this Mandalorian story. Uh, yeah. So him and Mando kind of come up with this deal, right? To, uh, to slay this beast that's been bothering the town. Yeah. So uh, the one thing I think that's cool about Mandalorian is that the character, even though he's kind of on his own journey, he's really stuck to his roots. Like he really holds this stuff. Well, so for him, and I guess the creed of the Mandalorian is that they're very respectful of tradition. So when he sees the armor, he's like, you can't have that. Like, this has to go back to its owner or to, like, the the 
the Mandalorian group. Mm-hmm. And he sees like him wearing it as a disrespectful thing. So him, his the deal of saving the town essentially is that, like Timothy Oliphant character is like, oh, you're a Mandalorian. You can actually fight. You should help us. Mm-hmm. And in return, I'll give you the armor back because I can know you want this armor so much. So it was yeah. really cool like having that kind of... It was nice having Mandalorian still have his roots in a way. Like mm-hmm. he's still like respecting those roots of his characterization because like the Mandalorian is a very strict character, and like his development is all based on the fact that he was taken in by these Mandalorians and like lives that lifestyle to its fullest. Which is why in season one he doesn't take his helmet off until the last episode, and it's like under these certain like like he's like I like the fact they still keep that like that strict ties to his tr- tradition. Yeah, I I know this is so aesthetically. Um... I shouldn't be obsessed with it, but I like Mando's armor better than Boba Fett's. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, Boba, if you actually look at it, Boba, Set, Boba Fett's armor is kind of bad compared to the other Mandalorians that we've seen. Well, yeah, because keep in mind, Boba is not liked by the Mandalorians. Like, his dad sold out the race. It's kind of fucked up when you think about it. That's true. And even yeah, like it's, it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to be the perfect super soldier for you guys and then create an army for an empire. It's like, that's not the way of the code. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, so, exactly. like, yeah. And even, and even armor-wise, Jango Fett's armor was always more clean yeah. than Boba Fett. Boba Fett just seemed like it went through shit, and he like never cared about it. Well, it's not even, I don't think it's that he, cared, he didn't care about it. I think it's because he's been so outcast and like such a bad rebel boy that like he didn't have the luxury because he was always alone, I guess. I guess, which that, is, I guess that yeah. makes sense. And even with Mandalorian, like, in my rewatch, I kind of forgot how the original... Because he, he has two armor sets. In mm-hmm. the first season, is until the Beskar armor is like what he like looks amazing in. Mm-hmm. But even his like original armor has a very like Boba Fett influence in like the color scheme. Yeah, definitely. And like the newer one, obviously, it's more like separate, but it has more of that cleaner feel that like a Jango Fett has. It looks platinum. It looks yeah. platinum and indestructible, baby. Ah, oh, so awesome. God, it's so sexy. It's it crazy. is. It's so cool. And I think actually something that this episode really did well with that some people might disagree. I'm glad they didn't go heavy Baby Yoda in this one. I'm gl- <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that they like they put him in his little cute moments, but he was not the focus of the story. Because, I agree because because yeah. that was the hook in season one, and like I, it's it's still great, but we're gonna need a little bit of a pivot focus for other things besides Baby Yoda. See, it's funny you say hook in season one. So I was reading article. So obviously I'm obsessed with Mandalorian. So I've been mm-hmm. reading up a lot about it. When they were marketing season one, they didn't include Baby Yoda in any of the marketing. Mm-hmm. So no one knew about Baby Yoda until the, the end of the episode when it opened up and you revealed that you're Baby Yoda. And they did an analysis saying that like Disney probably lost close to like at least three, four million dollars in like marketing and revenue by not including Baby Yoda. But they like they stood by the creative process. Like we wanted to keep that as a surprise. Mm-hmm. But it's insane how like. They knew it was going to be, a, they like, in a way knew it was going to be a big thing. And then like it blew up. I think Disney made the right call because it's so, it's 100%. so hard not to spoil things anymore, especially exactly. now. Oh my God. Exactly. So I think it's, uh, I think like they played it really well in the first season. And I, I mean, I'm assuming episode two is going to have way more baby Yoda in it, 
But I like the fact that Baby Yoda kind of just played his part in this one and wasn't yeah. too crazy. He didn't like use the force or anything like that. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. just he was just kind of there, chilling, doing his little cute things here and there, you know, <laughs> as so, uh, he lovingly does. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts on the big baddie for this episode, the crack, the cracked dragon? And ha- I like that they um they said that. It ate the sarlacc from the sarlacc pit. Yo, I <laughs> that made really, me laugh. I really love that because I think that's probably gonna explain why Boba Fett survived. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean to spoil that in our podcast. Um, oh no, no, no. We we said at the beginning this is totally okay. spoiled. Because like to be honest, uh, I I think there's a lot of people. I no correction. I know for a fact there's a shitload of people that want to talk about Mandalorian. So we're giving them the content to talk about it here. Feel free to comment, like, subscribe, or even want to be a guest on the podcast. Just DM me or the work print, whatever. <laughs> like the, the point is, is there's a shitload of people who want to talk about Mandalorian. Here's our outlet. Let's just talk full spoilers. Yeah, no, exactly. no big deal. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's um. One, it kind of plays into that little stupid mentality that was introduced in Phantom Menace, how there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Sorry, I literally forgot that existed until now. I know, right? And literally there was a bigger fish. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. So, it was kind of cool having the Sand Dragon. It gave me kind of, like, Dune vibes. It gave kind of, like, this... Um, You always need that kind of bigger... You always need that bigger threat to unite people who are enemies yeah i agree you know so i thought it was good and i like the fact that the star like it, it killed the starlock the um the starlock i don't want yeah. to have trouble with pronouncing it yeah. i think that'll probably play into how boba fett escaped from the pit see i'm not sure so like in the in the this is why it's confusing because there's been so many iterations of expanded universe like in the expanded universe originally boba just blasted his way out um because it's a it's like it's a pit that digests you slowly for like Oh, like was it like hundreds of years? It was a very long period of time. Like but the problem with that is, is like Boba Fett's in really dope <laughs> Buscar armor. I don't even know if that would work. And then, so like realistically, he was probably just chilling there, right? <laughs> just like, probably. oh, did well, he, this like, did he like, lose an arm or something like that? In like the I, no, no, and he um he just got his his jetpack cut or something like that, yeah. and then he fell in and gets swallowed. But like, it's a slow digestion process, and it's like it's Boba Fett. Why? He still has all his gear on him. He has a fucking rocket launcher on his back. Why not just so. yeah, blow point. a hole up? So, like, in the Expanded Universe, they explained, oh, yeah, he just he just broke out. Um, but then they rewrote that when they did the, the new yeah. T- yeah. 7, 8, 9 or something. So, like, when, I'm not sure yeah, where Disney. we're at because I didn't watch Clone Wars, like, unlike other no. uh, huge Star Wars fans. Um, but it's implied that he would survive just like, you know, fucking Darth Maul's alive. But, um, yeah. So. That's, that's, see, that, that's a stupid one. Like... Darth uh, a lot of people disagree with you on that now because the apparently clone and this is why i gotta go watch clone wars clone wars was like really good with all that crap apparently it's like, it's like seven seasons right or something like that seven did you watch seven. it at all i didn't so i love the i love the original clone wars series the one the animated was, one yeah the one that was like Me a, too. like adult swim and it was like 10 minutes long yeah that was so, gendy tartowski yeah. samurai jack fame yeah that was amazing i have the new one i haven't watched one like every time I didn't get into it is because of the animation style. It's not really kind of my vibe. But yeah, also, 3D like, se- yeah. But also it's like I think it's like six, seven seasons. Like I don't have I don't have time to catch up on something like that. So, Yo, know, same here. But then like everyone who's like not everyone, but a good a good amount of friends I know because yeah, because of, of pandemic they ended up binging it, and I'm like fuck, man. I'm like so behind on TV because even though it's been pandemic, I haven't stopped reviewing shit for here and everywhere else. You know. Also, the problem is we're 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 like. 
we are in the golden age of television, meaning that like whenever you hit a golden age something, you get uber saturation. Yeah. So like there's Tell like, me about it. you can't you can't catch up. There's so many TV things. There's like what, like thirty streaming services right now? Bro, I took two weeks off of work print. And, like, in that time period, I ended up watching all of The Haunting of Bly Manor, all of Son of Zeus, or Blood of Zeus, I should say. And then, like, I started this show, and I think I finished another show. It's like, that's what I mean. It's like, you're right, there's there's too much. And I think I started watching Emily in Paris or something. That There's, like, a weird Sex in the City yeah. spinoff of some sort there. Like, there's just so... That was, that was literally two weeks. <laughs> I... Uh, I I like um I fell into like pandemic depression and just like rewatched my comfort shows so like I was even worse I didn't even watch new things I just did like rewatches of the shows I loved, but that's good at least because at least you did that like I think I I uh I beat Last of Us two uh, I platinum trophied it over uh in the two weeks I, I took off too dope so, yeah but the point is is like even now when there's time there's never enough time <laughs> especially in television no, of course yeah. no yeah but like, it's um. It's crazy, man. So, like, with the... Um, yeah, so, like, I'm really interested in seeing how Boba Fett kind of, like, plays this. I think it'll probably be just the next episode and that's it. I don't think he'll be I, anything past I that. highly disagree, man. I think if they're going to introduce it in episode one, you're going to... This is going to be their season-long arc, especially because it's a fan favorite. Everybody fucking loves this guy. Uh, and for good reason. He's dope. Um, also, I think it's cool that they got the actor from episode one who played Jango Fett. I yeah, I mean that makes sense because you you need you needed him to play uh to play him because you know he's you know he's Django Fett's baby clone right so yeah it's cool that they actually did it like you know like it makes sense continuity wise but the fact they actually did it I'm like oh that's 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 pretty, that's pretty dope that is actually really cool because like I'm trying to remember the timeline like if if Boba was what like eight or ten ish in Attack of the Clones right yeah um that was. When Anakin was probably like nineteen. Oh god, I can't do math. And then Anakin's how old in, in Return of the Jedi what, when he dies? What's the uh what's the, the, the time gap between the prequels and the new se- in like the, the original series? So like because like I talked about it with a bunch of friends and uh I wanna say Obi Wan was thirty two. Somewhere between thirty two and thirty six. No, it's probably a twenty year gap because Luke is like yeah. what, nineteen in New Hope? He's like super young. Yeah. So then, so if he's born, if he's born in Revenge of the Sith, it's probably like a twenty year gap, nineteen twenty year gap. So then, but all right. So yeah, but then you have to remember that there's the. the what I'm trying to calculate is the gap between Clone Wars to Revenge of the Sith, which is I want to say somewhere between six and seven years. So it's been 25, 25, 20, somewhere between twenty five to thirty years. Uh, on top of whatever Boba was age wise in Episode two. So then he's got to be in his, like, mid-40s, early 50s, if I remember, if I'm doing math right. <laughs> he's probably, like, his early 50s. He's like probably his 50s, I'd say, to be safe. Okay. Because if he's, like, if let's say he's 10 in Attack of the Clones, and then there's, like, yeah, he's probably, like, 15, 16, 17 by Revenge of the Sith, and then add an extra 20 years. So he'd be, like, 37, then, if that's the case. Well, also... It's oh wait, probably, this takes place a couple years after Jedi, though. This is, we seven, have to, this is seven years after Jedi. So okay, so then you're right. Uh, so then I put some. I love how we're doing the math. <laughs> dude, we're not the only one. You know for a fact if you're listening, you've you've thought about this too. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he puts him somewhere in his like early 40s to late 
like early 50s yeah somewhere yeah in that, let's that put it like there put it like like late 40s early 50s yeah yeah so like yeah he can still do it but it's it's so the thing that is i love how we just skipped the whole like last part of the episode like how they defeat the big bat we just skipped no, well, okay well, no, no, all right we'll, we'll talk about that but because the, the, the big thing is we all know what the big thing is it's, it's that boba fett's alive that that's the huge yeah i've like I have a thousand <laughs> questions about boba fett but yeah yeah uh, well let's let's re- finish recapping i guess since anyone since we started recapping um they <laughs> They, they they assemble to fight the crack dragon. Um, it's Mando and uh, the Timothy Oliphant character, and uh, yeah, <laughs> really so should have looked up his name. The, and the town. A, I think it's and just, the, I think it's just the, the the great dragon. I think that's what it is. Oh, it's a crack dragon. Crack like crack. cracked. It's cracked. a it's a species of dragon uh, established in. Um, uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, I am wow. such a nerd, <laughs> but I'm, um, glad. I'm glad I was. Gonna yeah, just, yeah. No, it's it's, a, it's really dope. Actually, I'm I'm really impressed that they um that they included it in the series. But it's it's a giant sand worm sand thing. Worm, like, yeah. It's a dune yeah. worm. Dune worm. It's really just a giant dune worm. You're right. Um, and they 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 coordinate an attack. Everyone, uh, you know, they reluctantly do it. They're angry, but they get along. And in the, in a badass fight scene sequence nothing goes according to plan because of course it's mandalorian and mando kind of gets swallowed by the uh, the crack dragon with a series of, of blow-up charges and a in a what is it called the not a yacht but a, a is a bantha bantha right it's uh i guess it would be a bantha but they do re- definitely refer to it something else at some point in the series but it's a bantha it's a bantha do a bantha foodoo right that's what they say in the in the well they say bantha original. fodder for like the shit of the thingy like yeah. as a curse but like i'm thinking this the animal itself is a Ban- banta, banta probably yeah, banta. okay so then yeah they, he, he goes into it <laughs> and it's trapped with a shitload of bombs and then he he um he blows it up well he doesn't blow it up in there originally i thought he was going to self-detonate then i realized he wouldn't survive that and i'm sure people would be angry so they did a smart thing they made him uh they made mando use some i think his electric spear taser thingy his, pul- his pulse cannon his pulse yeah yeah his and then um yeah it, it uh it it infuriated the the dragon, which uh, spat him out right when he pushed the detonator yeah, and blew him up from the inside. He jetpacked out. He jetpacked the fuck out. He yeah, used that jetpack like a motherfucker. This yeah, is the, 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 a jetpack. If you like the jetpack, it's featured very much in this episode, and it looks boss yeah. as fuck. They definitely paid it off with uh, the gift in episode eight of the last mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but which yeah. is something like we've been waiting for this for a while. Jetpacks are dope. Thousand percent. Um, yeah, but like they so. With the the process of getting there, with like the the okay, so the mining town that the marshal is looking after, that Mando goes to, is like predominantly humans with like one or two alien people, mm-hmm. and they so them living like the, so this place is Ma, Mas Pogo, I think is what it's, what it's called, and Mas Pogo is like on the outskirts. It's like mad far from like Moss Eisley and the other places so like they're very isolated so they have to like deal with banditos or like the space ver- the Star Wars version of banditos and also mm-hmm. like the raiders so they're very used to like fighting off intruders and like fending for themselves so when Mandalorian's talking to the Tusken Raiders and finds out they could help out he brokers this deal saying that like you kind of like in exchange for helping take down the, the cracked worm uh, a crack dragon, like they will set the Tuscanators is like leave us the carcass so we can do whatever we want with it, and we promise like we won't ever go after you unless you break the the peace treaty, like peace treaty, which I thought was a really cool like additional detail. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it kind of focuses the fact how like like it touches upon like how these people 
are very against Tusk Invaders because of the whole like their past, and you have to kind of like push towards it. It's really cool, kind of showing like the like little like insight in how their history is, and like the struggle between them Tusk Invaders and like how they really trust the marshal's opinion because the marshal kind of steps in being like this is how we gotta do things so it's a cool like little insight on their dynamic and the power dynamic of the little town and how mando's kind of like this like blinding force that comes in it was very reminded of like um high plains drifter mm, okay. which i'm assuming i'm gonna assume is probably like inspiration for it because like it's a very like eastwood comes in and like um it's like a small town and like they need his help so they kind of like given to his demands to help defend it against like these like raiding you know bandits mm-hmm. so it's really cool how they do that and then for some reason i don't know why this these people in this mining town have like tons of explosives like the amount of explosives <laughs> that they have is baffling i mean think about it they're miners right so they're they're alluding to westerns and tnt so that kind of makes sense right you use explosive charges yeah it's just so much like it's so much they have like seven bantas that they like travel on and each one excuse me are pretty much like holding a vest of just explosives it's <laughs> it's it's bonkers i mean it makes sense dude because again they 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 might well I'm gonna say they, they're miners, and I'm like, wait, it's a technological space future, though. I don't, I don't know. Miners. No, I mean, listen, I'll take your, I'll take your word for it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, see, like you said, the plan doesn't work out. And it was interesting because um, it's like, so the when the plan is being executed, things are going too quick. But it's like the idea is that there. So the plan essentially is that we're gonna dig explosives underneath. The, like, the entrance of this little cave. Yeah. So when the the dragon goes over it, the explosives will like destroy the underbelly, which is like said to be the weakness by the raiders, which it clearly isn't when they do. But the task really involves like the raiders and the humans working together to prep this thing. Like it's really showing like kind of like how they're like stepping up in that moment. And when the the when it goes all to shit, it's like insane because. The raid, like a lot of raiders get killed. Like I was mm-hmm. keeping track of who gets killed in that thing. Oh, you were. <laughs> I would go because earlier in the show, earlier in the episode, they were showing how, in order to quell, the dragon, the raiders would sacrifice a banta every once in a while. Oh uh, so, yeah. And it's kind of like an allusion to like how like these, how like, in ancient societies, if there was like a big threat, they would like sacrifice an animal to like, and like a lot of myths do the same thing. It's like, oh, we sacrifice this one thing to quell the the big threat. So they're doing something like that. And in that example, when they show on the screen, the dragon ends up killing the raider instead of the banta, <laughs> As, which it, was so funny. It honestly. was hysterical. Yeah. It was like a joke, but also kind of showed the fact how like the dragons like not complacent, which helps also convince like the 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 villagers to help out. But I, like, I'll give you that. That's good motivation. Yeah. Yeah, but like in but if you watch the scene where they're trying to like destroy the dragon, I don't think any of the minor people get killed, <laughs> but like six Tusker Raiders get eaten. They're that well, you definitely can tell because of the because they stand out, but like when it starts spinning up the bile, I couldn't even tell anymore who was see who was the, getting melted. When the first throw up happened, I was like, is it just like a like throw up or is it actual acid? And like the second time they did it, we saw some Tusker Raiders get like like disintegrated. I'm like, oh, this is actually <laughs> this yeah. is actually fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
it was insane. But yeah, like you said, it was. Um, I guess it's a very tropey thing about like I have to destroy it from the inside out. But I think they did it really well, and um, mm-hmm. they know, did a very Jonah and the Whale type thing. They did, they did, and both both times, like Mandalorian, just like this, we only have one shot to do it, and like when the second time happened, it's like all right, we're all, it's like we only have one shot to get this right, and then there's like a banter behind him, just covered explosives, and he's like, all right, there's <laughs> only have one time to get this right. Oh, I liked how he and he did the typical like, all right, um, look after the kid, and he as he gets swallowed, Mando by with the explosives and by the uh, the giant dragon, uh, and you know it's it's very tropey, but it it works. That's the thing, Mandalorian does such a great job of working with things that we know, but does enough of an original spin on it exactly. that it's it's like it's still fun, like, and it's it's something that I think. T- too many movies now are trying so hard to not be formula, but it, the, there's a nice balance between the two. And I think that's what we're good storytelling is. It's like something familiar and then something new. Like exactly. you kind of need to find a way to blend it where it doesn't feel like it's rehashed. Like, cause, yeah. cause people, people do do this a lot where it's like, all right, we'll do these things, but then we'll make all the homages and shit. And like, kind of like, um, uh, the Force Force Awakens. It's like I lo- I love that movie, but it, a lot of it was just like, oh, okay, they redid the Falcon, they redid this, they redid that. You need a nice blend, and I think Mandalorian does a really good job of of homaging while still putting cool new spins. You know? Um, yeah. The idea of tropes, like the, the reason why something's a trope is because it works so well that people use it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So like inherently at its base, there's something great about the trope, and like like I said, like. The trope acts as that familiarity because, like, the world of the Mandalorian is insane. Like, he's literally fighting a giant, like, worm surrounded by Tusken Raiders. Like, there's a lot to process going on. So those little trope moments with the right motivation really do work. And it's like, mm-hmm. you kind of, ha- like, there's some stories that just, they speak for themselves. And, like, especially a story like this where it's about the journey. Like, it's okay to have those moments, those grounded moments. And for, you know, for the viewers, that grand moment can be a familiar trope or it can be a, you know, a small emotional scene amongst like big chaos. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. So, yeah, it was good. Uh, you get your little like you get the baby Yoda stuff. I loved also I loved how Mandalorian was on the uh, this the, the speed bike, the speeder bike. I forget. What it's yeah, called. they brought back the uh, the speeders. Yeah. And I think it's so good because it gave the horse aspect, like, it was beautifully, like, like when he first rolls into the mining town, and, like, everyone in the Mos Pogo are just watching him slowly roll in on the bike, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was, like, it was a classic outlaw on his horse riding through town thing. And it was, again, and it's a nice it's a nice blend of, like, tropes that work and then familiarity as well, like, and while well, putting a new spin. Because, like, even, even that, that was, you know, the speeders from the original... Uh, the original, I think, what was it episode? Th- I think three is where they introduced the speeders for the stormtroopers. But then they episode three, or you mean episode? Uh, s- oh, I'm sorry, six. Revenge or Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, but then uh, what is it? The yeah, they had the speeder bikes. Didn't they have the speeder bikes also when he was on Tatooine with the uh, the young hotshot? They and, did, yeah. yeah. See, there you go. So th- we we bring it back several times, just like we brought. I think R- was an R four in this or something. Uh, one of the one of the dro- was it R four? No, it was another one of the droids from the Jawas uh, in the. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, we actually saw one uh, there as well, which is I'm pretty sure that's that's one of the droids from I think New Hope. And then um, you also saw the Buzz droids from fucking Pod Racing and and uh, 
episode what is it jesus christ uh <laughs> phantom menace yeah thank you episode yeah. one yeah there's too many movies now <laughs> no, right? um but yeah the point is, is there's, there's tons of tatooine callbacks and stuff and we're not even listing all of them but that's just a few off the top of my heads but um yeah yeah yes so the marshall the marshall's backstory really ties into a lot of the cool aspects of it how um the marshall lived in mos pogo and then when when as soon as the empire so like the, it's like the, literally the flashback is them celebrating the destruction of the second Death Star, and almost immediately after that happens, these bandits or like these ex miners come in and like we're gonna take over the town now. So they kill a bunch of people, and the marshal escapes. And as he escapes, he pulls like a bag from this like from the miners like carts and like runs into the desert. So like as he's like nearly passing out and dying, the Jawas find him. They open up the bag. They find out it's like this like really valuable crystal, and it's like them trying to bargain with them. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So, as he's like trying to bargain, he's looking around like, and you see the jaw inside the jaw was little like ve- I don't know if it's a ship or a vehicle, wherever it is, and then you see like the droid or all stuff, and then that's when you see Boba Fett's armor in the background, which is what obviously he ends up doing. And he ends up taking that and using that in order to fight off the bandits and all these other, you know, intruders and stuff like that. But I think that's something I wanted to touch upon is, one, how, like, the Marshall story was bait. Even though you see him as this weird character and you don't know why he has the armor on, there's, like, a very valuable and, like, noble reason for him to have the armor. Which almost made me think the Mandalorian might let him keep it. <laughs> but the second thing is that, like, why did the Jawas have his armor in the first place? And that's where I think, like, eventually our conversation is going to go strictly, like, full force onto Boba Fett. Or we're entering that, like, pretty much now. Yeah, pretty much now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, that's that's kind of it for the the minor, the, 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 the recap of the episode. Like, oh, they beat the dragon. Everyone's happy. Uh, Manto gets a nice crack, crack and steak, which he takes with him, which is amazing. That honestly. was so weird. Yeah, I was so shocked. I was like, I the entire how- episode felt like a, a, a level of uh, of like Fallout or something. So like by the time we hit the end and they they took the meat, I'm like, yeah, that's that's the the potion trophy <laughs> that you get after slaying the dragon because that's we're we're going under RPG yeah, it was mentality. Just, it was just a giant side quest. Yeah, he gets but I gotta be honest, I would totally eat. Would you eat? Would you eat some crack dragon steak? Because I would. Yeah, yeah, why not, man, at that point? That sounds geez. amazing. Yeah, right? Yeah. And then the freaking the Tuscan Raiders got the egg and they were celebrating. Yo, what's with, what's with, like, uh, what's with, like, people and the eggs? Like, so in the season one, you had the, the, the mud, Jawas. The Mudhorn egg that yeah. the Jawas wanted. And in this one, you get the Tuscan Raiders with the cracked dragon egg. Well, see, I wonder, because, like, it makes sense. Well, no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> see, the Jawas wanted it for food, which was disgusting. Um, so I don't know what the Tusken Raiders are going to do with this dragon egg, though. Maybe they'll breed their own. Who fucking knows? Maybe maybe, maybe this is what happens in in uh, Game of Thrones, guys. Like, it, things <laughs> devolve so badly, it becomes a Tatooine. That's amazing. <laughs> and then Crack Dragon's just the, uh, what's-his-name's descendant, uh, the, the, the other Asos, dragon. Anyway. Asos is just Tatooine. Um, sorry, that's that good. Yeah, so anyway, they they celebrate. They they get the uh the he gets the armor back, and uh, we think hooray, right? End of end of story, right? Wrong, because what do we see at the end? So we see Boba Fett, who has 
I guess a few of his weapons with him. Not all of them. But he's like... He's like in a mix... Like his, his attire almost remind me of like Jabba the Hutt prison guards. Mm. It was like this very stripped down kind of like half shirt on, half shirt off kind of like like weird get up and him watching on like the dunes watching Mandalorian drive by with his armor with his armor yeah so there i guess like my big question that i wanted to ask you is why do you think boba fett doesn't have his armor so this this i'm glad that you you brought this up this, this is what every freaking press organization's been talking about today uh, i just caught up because i'm like oh uh, I've been trying to review stuff for uh, other things, but the, the, the point is, is like I, I did a small catch up on what the buzz is today, and the buzz is definitely Mandalorian because it just came out, and particularly Boba freaking Fett. Uh, uh, at first, not a hundred percent of of the people are convinced that this is um, Boba, but it, it's pretty heavily implied. The oh, same God. actor as Django. It, it's pretty hard to say that's not. I think the the argument is is what, how do we know this isn't just a stormtrooper clone? It's like if you follow the the lore, like most of the stormtrooper tro- uh, stormtrooper clones were kind of decommissioned or not as as many, and a lot of them died out unfortunately because the fucking like, war. Not to yeah. take not to take air out of your analysis, but like before season two premiered, they they released the thing that Boba Fett is in the series. Oh, like, there you go. Like See? It's, it's pretty well known that Boba Fett was going to be a, a character in the show. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited and happy for it, but there's still there's still naysayers out there. So this is me kind of just more of anything saying the naysayers. It's not thing to naysay about. It's definitely Boba. Well, let the naysayers nay and eat their hay. <laughs> Basically, so anyway, bring it back full circle. Yeah, Boba at the end, seeing oh shit, you know this other Mandalorian with my, my armors and shit, right? Um. I'm not, it seems like he's kind of gone into hiding, potentially. We know that if you don't have the armor, you're kind of giving up, you know, Mandalorian, like, the way. You're giving up the way, because you're not supposed to. If you if you give up the armor, you're no longer a Mandalorian. It's kind of the rules, right? Um, yeah. So, so maybe he's not, I guess, technically a Mandalorian. But then again, like, when you look into his origins, given, you know, his history with Jango and, you know, being a son and then the whole, again, Empire... <laughs> And the, the the clone army, it's like he never really fit in with them to begin with, anyway. So how much does the armor really mean? I don't know. Well, the truth is, is you're left for speculating. And uh, I I do think that the armor does mean something to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in that scene. So there there's definitely gonna be a moment where where he comes after Mando and and wants his armor back. I think personally. So I think so. I think it's actually the opposite for me. Really, I think okay. that so. Boba Fett, his whole his whole point in the original series is essentially tracking Solo, right? So he tracks Solo, gets Solo, brings him to Jabba, then like gets to a fight with Luke for two seconds, and then jumps into like and then falls in the pit, right? Mm-hmm. So like Boba Fett's supposed to be this big bounty hunter and scary bounty hunter. I think even uh, there's like a fan theory that Vader kind of confirms that he killed Luke's parent, like Luke's aunt and uncle. That's like a whole fan theory going on. Hmm, interesting. Oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, when you look at uh, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen, they're like disintegrated, like mm-hmm. they're burning. No disintegrations, I got Yeah, you. exactly. So people think that he did that. But, um, you know, I think the fact that the Jawas have it, and it's just the armor, I think that he actually might have gave it up and sold it to them or traded with them. 
See, I can't, I can't buy into that because that armor is worth way too much money. I mean, it you, is, you could you could buy your own ship with that armor, honestly. I mean, well, maybe we don't know what he traded it for. And also, the thing is, like, uh, after fall, like, listen, after you fall through a Starlight Pit and go through all that stuff and then deal with all that thing, and then like your main employer was the Empire, and now the Empire is gone. Like, there's probably a lot of things of Boba's being like, why am I? Like, I think we might get a Boba. You think? Pit. Existential just, crisis, Boba. I think so. Honestly, I really oh do think God. so, and I think that'd be the. I think that'd be the more interesting path to go to. It's just like, why did I do this? Like, why am I doing this? Why is it worth? Like, what? It's not worth my time. Let me kind of just like find my own way and stuff like that, and essentially live on this planet that he knows has some kind of basis to it. I mean, that's my process. I mean, that's possible. I'm we're we're not gonna know until the season happens, but I do think that that's a really cool potential story. That, that's kind of the beauty of it, and why I think it's brilliant the way that they shot this episode because it ends on such a great cliffhanger that could have endless possibilities. But yeah, yeah this is this is the proto Mando. This is the uh, the the big bad that started this whole journey of armored badass on. Like yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know honestly where where um, Boba is gonna fit in this new world. You're right. He's not of, yeah. he's not that much older though from Jedi. So it's not like he's like out of it if that makes any sense. He's not like Harrison Ford in in uh Force Awakens basically. Yeah. So like there's there's a lot of potential stories. Like I the reason I'm saying that and emphasizing potential here is cuz I think given that he's still, you know, still able to throw down at the best of them, I think at some point we're going to see a Mando Boba Fett duke it out. Yeah, or maybe even work together. Who knows? Let's think like, well, yeah, definitely. I think definitely you're right, work together. But I, I do want to see them fight at some point. And also, like, too, like, yeah. I don't know exactly how the the bounty hunter lifestyle goes. But I'm assuming that's probably that's probably like a, a occupation where you don't really, like, stay in it long term, you know? Like, <sighs> you probably get killed at some point going on dangerous missions. Or That's you kind of—I feel like it's like the sports of their world. How like you know people in sports kind of like tap out at some point. Yeah, but then think about the nature of the Mandalorians that we've established in Mandalorian. Like they, a lot of them tend to be bounty hunters because it's just natural to their warrior code per se. Yeah. So like it—I don't know. Uh, and like the way that they talk, because I—I used to love Knights of the Old Republic. The way that Mandalorians were portrayed were very much just like Spartans, like the greatest warrior race ever and they've had a very close history with the galaxy and everything that's uh happened in terms of fighting and shit so like they're they're a warrior people they're tough um that's kind of what makes them fucking awesome as warriors in all respects so like i don't i think they're the perfect people to become bounty hunters and to be able to kind of live that till they pretty much die from it you know i guess that makes sense sense. yeah that doesn't make sense actually yeah so i mean who knows man it's gonna be interesting i think that um I know a lot of people, when it comes to critiques of Boba Fett, is that he's very one-dimensional. And like in the original series, they like you don't really see anything from him. Mm-hmm. And was like, why is so like people who I know were big Star Wars fans were like, what's the big deal with Boba Fett? He like does nothing. He like he kind of looks cool, but like at the end of the day, he just kind of like messes around and then like fucks up at the end. So I think really giving him like a developed kind of backstory. And like let it, giving him multiple dimensions, I think would really kind of like, and this might give me some backlash. Kind of give him like the the Luke um, approach that Last Jedi did. Oh, I see what you're saying. Where he's like the mentor. Not even just the mentor. It's fact like okay, so 
I like out of the. I don't really like the new movies. I think they all. <laughs> I think they all kind of missed the mark. But I liked the Last Jedi, and the reason why is because I actually dug the changes they did to Luke Skywalker. See, yeah, I, I this is these are fighting words for another time because you know I I disagree with you on that, but that's yeah, okay. Well, that's fine. That's and that's like that's kind of like being a Star Wars fan in general. So like, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like when characters are given an extra dimension or extra layer to them that like. So sometimes when they do that stuff, it might like battle against the essence of who that character is, which is a bad thing. But sometimes I think it's like the right infusion where it almost kind of naturally builds on it. And I think with seeing a Boba Fett that is a bit more existential and a bit more, a bit more kind of learned and a bit more like I've been through this and I don't want to do this anymore, I think would be a really interesting progression from the oh, this is just a dangerous bounty hunter who gets the job done. See, okay, so that's the direction you're going. I'm going a different one because I think it's John Favreau and I think he could pull this off and only him or like one of the, I guess, Marvel directors name whichever ones of the, the ones who've done it. Uh, Taika, Taika would be perfect for this. Um, I think, personally, and this is just spitballing because we're entering that phase, yeah. um, we're going to go comedy comedy Boba Fett. Oh, no. Because, because Boba, and hear me out, because Boba's never, you're right, he's never had too much in terms of lines. He's always just been an like an empowering presence because of his armor and the way he stands and holds himself. I think we're going to finally hear him talk, and he's going to be kind of funny. He's gonna be somebody that we didn't expect coming, like like a, like a kind of like a, Ugh. I don't know, like a, like so, a, some, not a wisecracker, but somebody who's just oh like not God. what we expect, like I somebody who's very very silly, who isn't that like existential. Somebody who's very shallow. Yeah. <laughs> somebody who's like, I just did it for money. Like I, I kind of I think this show does a great job of having expectations and then kind of like going really, and I think a great really moment would be Boba isn't. A badass as much as he is just an opportunist. I would hate that so much. I would love it because then it, it makes sense why him and Han hate each other so much because they're the same person. That's like that's like the, <laughs> that's like a classic like Disney Marvel character. Which is why it'd be fucking great. Oh my god, I hope, I hope it doesn't happen. I'll be I hope so, it's so happy. I'll be so upset if that's it. He's just like, yeah, fuck it. I don't give a shit about the creator. Like, I'll be like, oh no, well, give me some death. <laughs> Give me some character. <laughs> Boba Fett's basically just uh, Rick Sanchez. <laughs> He's like a mix of Tony Stark and Rick Sanchez. Oh basically, just the dude. There's none of the intelligence, but all the ego. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. I ca oh god, I can't wait till next week to now, find out. Now you said that, I can 100% imagine that. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but if you're listening, please tell us your thoughts about what's going to happen <laughs> with Boba Fett. Um... Yeah, no, seriously, like, I I, um, I really do, uh, this episode is fantastic. Uh, how did you feel about the hour format? Would you want this to be done more, or? I love yeah. it, honestly. I mean, so, yeah. I was, I didn't really care how the Mandalorian Season 1 just had, like, different time spans for each episode. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my friends kind of said the best. He's like, when it comes to, like, a, he's talking about movies, he's like, the perfect length of a movie is either an hour and a half or as long as it needs to be to tell the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, um... Yeah, it was great. It was a good hour. I honestly, I think it felt, it flew really quick. I had, uh, it had good pacing. I didn't even notice it was an hour, to be honest with you. Um, I think they should keep doing what they've been doing, man. If it's the story requires an hour, if it requires 30 minutes, give us whatever it needs. Yeah, I mean, fans love it. This thing got so many nominations. It didn't win any Emmys, though, right? It, was it didn't, unfortunately. It's, uh, and it's a shame because I, like, visually, it's a stunning show. 
Uh, well, not the writing. Well, writing. Okay, take it back. The writing. The writing is great, but it's not blow your mind. You know. I think it just definitely deserves at least some nods or some looks at it. Whether that's you wanna, true. Whether you know it wins, it's up to you. But yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited. I want. I'm I'm ready to see the Razor Crest and Slave One fly by, side by side. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so waiting for that movie. That would be really, really cool. Wait, oh, you know, I didn't think about that, too, you, now that you mentioned it. I never, it never occurred to me that Boba Fett's ship <laughs> was kind of just left there after he died, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't even think about that until now. It's just like, oh, that's maybe, right. Like Maybe that's why he sold his armor to the Jawas, to get back his ship. But I feel like you'd want, the, well, like, he's not your typical Mandalorian. I was gonna say I don't think he. What do you prioritize more, the ship or the or the armor? I don't know. Ah, uh, I mean, it really depends, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, in the end of the day, it comes down to what you're planning to do with your future. So, like for me, if I was really set on like keeping to the Mandalorian creed and the the, the you know the ideals, then I'd keep my armor, but. If I want to have my freedom, you pick your ship, definitely. That's true. But then he, if he if he got the ship, the thing is, is he stayed on Tatooine. He's still there. Well, uh, remind me, because uh, I'm getting old. Is Jabba's palace on Tatooine? Mm-hmm. Oh, because mm-hmm. it is, right? Okay. I yeah. wasn't sure if it was or not. Yeah, um, the the huts were very influential. Tatooine, but the, yeah, right, they, yeah, and so was the star, that whole thing, the Sarlacc pit was all, was that's all true, there. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he decides to stay, I guess. So, uh, so like, uh, uh, one of the things that you mentioned was his outfit, right? And, like, yeah. it did look a little bit Tusken Raider-y. It looked like he had some of the garbs, maybe, from that. Maybe he was saved by a group of Tusken Raiders and became one. Yeah, too. That's another thing, too. Because um, they're only, like, literally yards away from the Sarlacc pit, right? Because we just killed the Crack Dragon, which ate the Sarlacc. So, like, Boba didn't go that far from last we saw him seven years ago. No, he didn't. Also, maybe he could have gone in and out. Like, it's... There's so many different ways to go with it. Uh, it definitely yeah. seems like he, even if he stayed away from civilization, that's seven years. That's like he must have really not wanted to. But who would be perfect to live that out with? But Tusken Raiders, where they're just wandering the desert. Yeah, anyway. it would make sense to stay with the Tusken Raiders. But like, even the Tusken Raiders showed how far they were from those like little that village. They weren't that super far. So like, he definitely chose to stay away from things. Do you think it's because of the negative? Well, there was yeah, there was a lot of negative heat from the Empire or after the Empire. So. Yeah, because like he was like, um, I mean, there's not really any bounty hunters on the 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 rebel side. That's more of like the smuggler kind of, I guess, would be like the opposing class on whatever side, like a range, like you know, player class. But bounty hunters typically were associated with the Empire. So when the Empire fell, it kind of made you. It kind of like. I guess hurt your stock a bit, and um, makes sense why the bounty hunters like relied on a guild and things like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Boba Definitely. Fett worked really close with Vader and the Empire, like directs. So I don't know, man. I think it's one of those things where it's like it's definitely gonna be some major impact from that, but like. If, if he's, like, driven by money, like you said, if he's more of just like, ah, I did it for the money, I don't care, then it's like, okay, you're maybe losing your biggest client, and you're just <laughs> like, well, forget it. 
But if it's something like a little bit deeper than that, then it's like, okay, that would explain why these things this and that. Or I don't know. It's well, yeah, that's the that's the beauty beauty of uh, of Boba, right? So like, because from what we know about him, right? Uh, not just even like disregarding the EU stuff because the expanded universe can go on forever. Yeah. Um, bounty hunter. Uh, dad was bounty hunter. Dad was template of you know the clone army. Um, he is technically the first stormtrooper when you really think about it. Um, or prototype zero of stormtroopers. So like, you know, he he lived the life not necessarily with the Mandalorian code, but he rocked the armor, so he does hold some attachment to it. And uh, and he's he's a badass. Like we know that because he's he's a really he's one of the best bounty hunters there, and he's a Mandalorian, so it makes sense. Um, so like, yeah, I don't I don't know what attachment and what culture he has to the Mandalorian code. Uh, why he need to go into hiding and and such or or what he's trying to do, which is, I guess, really what everyone's trying to talk about and figure out now, right? Um, I do think that it's whatever it is, it's going to be unexpected. That's that's kind of the only thing I think will happen. Because I don't, I don't see them going the same route as they do with Jedis and stuff, because it's just, I feel like that's been done before. So I'm so wondering what's so, going to happen. So you, okay, so you have a probably more um, intensive knowledge of the EU than I do. Does the Mandalorian, like, the idea of the Mandalorian creed and the code, is that present in previous works? Or is that more of, like, a recent development to their lore? I think that's more... uh, What they've done in Mandalorian is they've shown it in its current iteration. But the Mandalorian code was, like, they've shown it in for many generations throughout the... um, uh, the Old Republic, which, gotcha. you know, the, yeah, so uh, on top of, like, the other expanded universe knowledge. Uh, and it's just, it's very much just the Spartan system, is the best way to put it. Gotcha. Uh, they're, they're very much just a warrior race. Um, but they have a very particular code for this iteration of Mandalorians because uh, it's revealed in Clone Wars, from what I understand. And I didn't, unfortunately, I unfortunately didn't watch that, so. I feel like um, I gotta watch Clone Wars now, Jeez. Yeah, that's, the, that's kind of the reason that I want to, too. It's not even because... Well, I, no, I hear fantastic things, and especially the new Jedi, but, like, or not Jedi, but technically Jedi, but, um, uh, what is it? it it's, it's ties into Mandalorian, especially with the, um, Moff Gideon and that Darksaber stuff. So. Dude, oh my god, I was just gonna bring up the Moth, uh, Moth Gideon. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that entirely ties to Clone Wars, so it's like, at some point, if you wanna be a big Mandalorian nerd, you really gotta watch it, and I'm like... I'm excited too, but it's it's a lot. <laughs> I guess I guess I guess that'll be the show I pick up on the side then. Yeah, um, it's it's good though. It's like unanimously every besides Mandal uh, Mandalorian, this is the that's the other show that everyone's praising yeah. and Star Wars universe wise. That sword he had, oh my god, it's crazy! Like I guess it's a lightsaber. I don't even know if it's a lightsaber. Like, it's like a dark saber. It's a it's like, it's like a type of vibro blade, but it has like some sort of light properties that makes it kind of like a lightsaber. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, it's yeah. crazy because like. I, when I was when the season finale of of uh, season one happened, I was not expecting him to survive that crash. So when he did survive that crash, I was like, "Oh my god, he's gonna be like, I guess the big baddie." So like, that's gonna be a thing where he's you know, like, you know what I could definitely see this becoming. You remember how Daredevil season two was Daredevil versus Punisher, then at some point Kingpin came in, and then they focused on him. Yeah. I can definitely see something where like. Mando is dead daredevil. Um, you know, Boba Fett is like Punisher. And then the then um Gus from Breaking Bad 
comes to this. <laughs> <laughs> I love, dude. It's so funny that you said that because he is the villain in every fucking thing now. Because yeah. he plays it great, but because he's also the villain in the boys. And now this. <laughs> and then he comes in and it's like the the, the uni- I guess the unifying thing between the two. They have to fight against yeah. them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I take it back. Uh, what did you, or, I'm sorry. I was incorrect. The dark saber is a lightsaber. It's a black lightsaber. So it is a lightsaber. So that's. Weird, I was wrong. I thought. Oh, apparently, also, uh, the rumors are that Jedi's are going to be in this season. That makes sense because again, the Clone Wars touches on that. Is it I I I something Talo or something? I gotta give me Jeez, a man. second. All right. So uh, okay. So we're just gonna watch Clone Wars apparently. I'm. Just, I'm just gonna. No, I gotta. I gotta get this name right, otherwise every Star Wars fan's gonna kill me. Uh, well, they're gonna kill me. I've made some mistakes. <laughs> so it's the Jedi Clone Wars girl. What is her name? Uh, uh, oh. Ahsoka Tano. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. And, oh, I know. Um, Oscar, um, yeah. Rosario Dawson's playing her, right? Yeah, yeah. But oh, she so she's so. apparently what makes Clone Wars excellent. She's, from what I understand, a Padawan of is it Luke or Anakin? I think Anakin's. Yeah. Um, really. Yeah, so she goes full circle. She's she's one of the few Jedi, but not officially Jedi, because that would break the every Jedi dying rule <laughs> or thing that happened. Uh, yeah, she she survived, and so she's apparently alive in some sort, and uh, uh, allegedly going to be tied to the series, especially now that they introduced uh, the dark because that's apparently tied to her stories now. So yeah, th- there's a whole good potential Star Wars chunk story there, is what I'm saying, or what uh, all of us trying to imply so if you if you like mandalorian please check out clone wars yeah I think, um, I think i'm gonna i'm looking it up right now the clone wars so okay so there was the the, the 2d animated series that we that we talked about from yeah 2003 2005 which was dope then they did a cg movie which is 2008 yes. and i guess yeah, that that's the beginning out, of that yeah. uh story the show ran from 2008 to 2014 and then it had a revival series in 2020 or i guess mm-hmm. uh, the final series Star Wars Rebels, I believe, is on something like that. Ugh. Yeah, I have to watch this now. Yeah, it's it's actually good though, from what I hear. <laughs> Not saying that the new trilogy isn't good. Oh, no, no, <clears> the new tr- the new tr- I know it's gonna be a whole thing conversation, but the new trilogy, I'm sorry, it was trash. Um, <laughs> I think that. This is my brief summary on the new trilogy, and I'll keep it as brief as possibly. Yeah, we should wrap uh, the podcast. Yeah, we should, we should wrap it soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Force Awakens, I really love the first act. I was okay at the second act, hated the third act. Mm-hmm, Last mm-hmm. Jedi, I loved parts of it, and I thought the other parts are kind of a waste of time. And then uh, and then um, Rise of Skywalker was just garbage. Horrible mm-hmm. garbage. I think unanimously every Star Wars fan agrees that Rise of Skywalker was a complete crash. Oh, so bad. Yeah. So many. I could I can go on for hours about that. But yeah, that's my that's my quick Basam Kato summary. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't know. I like the new, the new trilogy is just different. I I liked the callbacks and stuff, and I thought there was a lot of potential after the first movie. I wasn't as big of a fan of of uh, Rise of Sky, not the Rise of Skywalker, Last uh, Jedi, Last Jedi, as a lot of other fans were. I think it's as a separate movie, it's great, but as a epic and like as somebody who like just hardcore loved Star Wars way too much, um, I was just disappointed because like there there were just too many things that were altered and i was like you know i studied this for like eight years and that's not how it's supposed to be yeah like you didn't like uh luke sucking on the 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 tit milk of that weird monster no i was okay with that i was okay with him drinking tit milk it was more more (laughs) along that i was perfectly perfectly fine with that i had no yeah that that was delicious if anything i was more upset (laughs) that luke like the chosen one who worked so hard for all this shit just he gave up too much and i'm like you're supposed to be hope what happened 
Uh, yeah, man, it's it's a uh, that's kind of like one of the things uh, like, um, and that's why. And I the last movie is just garbage. I think we all was. Yeah, that's yeah. Kinda, like that type of thing is what I really liked about the change because I think it's like um, in time when you go through shit, especially war, has those change of perspectives, which is why I want Boba Fett to really have that mindset of like, I did my Merc stuff. I kind of like the comedian from The Watchmen. Oh God, how like. <laughs> How the comedian was just like this horrible human being who went through all these things. And it was still a horrible human being, but like towards the end, he's just like, fuck, what did I do with my life? <laughs> that, that actually, that I'd, I'd enjoy that as well. I agree. Oh my God, there's so much to talk about we can we can do. Yeah. But um, as long as right, it's not think... Tony Stark. As long as it's not Tony Stark, I'm fine with it. <laughs> if he's Tony Stark, I'm going to be so upset. Uh, John Favreau directed Iron Man, so for all you know, he could become Tony Stark. But... On that fun note, um, final thoughts on this episode of Mandalorian, and then we'll we'll call it a wrap. Love it, man. It's just um, it's a great continuation of a story that, for me, is really dear to my heart, and it does a great job of balancing Star Wars lore with uh, its continuous odes to the Western film style, and this is storytelling I love very dear. I love the characters, and I think it's a very good episode to set the scene and the tone for what should be an exciting season. Well put, well put. Um, I I got nothing to say except like I loved it, and uh, it was really cool, and uh, love the love the fight scenes, and I love that they brought Boba. I mean, that you can just say that a lot. You don't even have to say anything else, but they brought Boba. The end. This is dope. Best season ever over <laughs> um i mean yeah because uh, you know Bob, boba's been dead for like 30 something years it's insane so yeah um that, it's kind of it it's, it's just it's just great all around can't wait to see the rest uh so this is um this is the cast uh props to Basam for coming up with the name and uh yeah our mandalorian podcast for the work print will be covering every episode this season which is intense uh Basam's writing this article actually no you're covering the whole season right or I've got mm-hmm. co- yeah, mm-hmm. I've, uh, right. I've I've sat, I've thought about my creed, and it demands me to cover the season, and I have there we spoken. Go. Sweet. And then, um, since Basam will be covering it, I'll be just doing the podcasts. But to be honest, a lot of, a lot of people uh, are very excited for this uh, here at the Workprint and even outside of it. So we're gonna have uh, different guests besides yours truly. Uh, I'll try my best to host and be polite with everyone, but we're gonna have a bunch of people come on uh, as well as ourselves uh, to talk about mandalorian uh this this whole season so um, i'm excited uh and yeah that's kind of that's kind of it uh thank you for listening to our our very long uh, episode one podcast and um we hope that your uh halloween is uh, filled with bounties of plenty (laughs) that's such a lame call out um be safe in the time of covid and wear your mask just like the mandalorian There you go. Thanks, everyone.